Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Sometimes needing new tyres can catch us by surprise. That's why tyre power gives you the power of zip pay and zip money. You can get what you need now, get back on the road safely and pay for it later. Terms and conditions apply. So visit tyrepower.com.au or call 13 21 91. Welcome to Crunch Time. Delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster. Available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Werribee, Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X. Built tough. Morrison enters the 50 with a high kick and O'Brien flew gracefully, didn't mark. Mitchell Rove and he snapped another one for the Hawks. McDonald hand passes it off to Franklin, steps out of a tight spot and <laughs> snaps through a ripper. Kennedy went off the ground the other way, Howe, and that was to better effect. Hand pass brilliantly fed up to Moore who swings it through for another. The Hawks are well home. O'Meara sets it up inside the 50. O'Brien muscled out of the contest. Shields at the back. He'll bang it through for the biggest lead of the night. The Hawks, well, it's been a season in which wins have been hard to come by, but that will put a smile on many a Hawthorne face. A 38-point win over the Swans, and it jeopardises so much of what Sydney has laid down so far. We had an opportunity over the over our, our mid-season bye to have a little bit of a reset and do a little bit of soul-searching, to be fair. And perhaps the fact that we're able to do that, get a rest, uh, set ourselves for perhaps a restart and try and find something out of the second half of the year. And our intensity right from the get-go was really, really strong. And we played some really strong footy and I'm really pleased and proud of the effort of the players tonight. The Hawks dial up battle mode to knock the Swans out in a tremendous Friday night upset. For those declaring the eight settled, think again. The chasing brigade can take aim at Sydney. Hawkins, but he might still pounce on it anyway. He does. And his handball picked up by Dangerfield in full flight was beautiful. He finds Rowan, but he can't mark it. 30 from goal. Looks inside. Bends it. Bends it. Magnificent. Dangerfield into the middle. Tried to barge through it. Fell the way of Selwood. Lifted the footy up. Gave it to O'Connor. Now to Dalhouse. Shovels it over the top to Jeremy Cameron. Around the corner. The catch with another. Jeremy Cameron has just asserted his authority. Selwood wedged his kick to the side for Rowan. He'll let them set deep and run, and Hawkins is going to mark in the goal square. And run it in. The Cats with the sealer. The Geelong forward setup produces the ultimate Thursday night flex. The worth of Jeremy Cameron crystallising by the week. How far will it carry the Cats in 2021? I've had nine and a half years at the helm after two years as an assistant coach in, in uh, 2010 and 11. So I've had a fair crack at it. Um, and everyone has its time. Every relationship, every person has their time. And, and mine has come. Um, I'm really content with um, the decision that's been reached. Definitely a shock. And first time in my career that I've ever been through something like this before. So, yeah, I feel almost a little bit numb. And the end for Nathan Buckley's storied career at Collingwood is at hand. One last day remains in black and white as the Magpies coaching vacancy creates immediate intrigue. Plus, the AFL's head of footy, Steve Hocking, is our headline guest. This is the round 13 edition of Crunch Time. Have you been 
There was something a bit old school about last night, not just soul searching, but put the boxing gloves on and get ready for war. That was the mode that Alistair Clarkson instilled, and we saw it right from the start. The Hawks with a third win for the season, and the Swans are notionally vulnerable. Jared Waitley with you for Crunch Time. Justin Lepich is with me. Hello, Lepper. Morning, Jared. There's a place for the old world approach. Yes, I like that. And you, you, the good thing, too, you've got Horse and Clark are really good mates together. So is it good to beat up on your mate and have a <laughs> have a good little win over him in that style of game? So, uh, look, well done. It was a terrific effort, and I don't think many people would have predicted that result, but it's good to see a different Hawthorne come out. You could tell in the manoeuvring just before the opening siren, so Segler replaces Reeves, and you go, oh, right, so tonight's not about development, tonight's about winning. Yeah, and look, and I think every week should be about winning, really. I mean, that's what the coaches should do. I mean, obviously, you've got to have one eye to the now, one eye to the future, but you also don't want to be putting players out there that aren't quite ready. So it's, it's, it's great just to see them get over the line. Their, their styles change immeasurably, Jared, in the, over the course of the year, how they're mo- moving the ball as well. They're far more direct now than they ever were at the start of the season. They had 68 uncontested marks in their back half was their average. Now it's back to 32. So they've almost halved that number. They're far more direct than they've ever been. So they've changed their style and they're getting some results, which is good. And they're exciting brand of footy. Nick Del Santo, welcome. Good morning, everybody. Lovely to see you all. How did you come away from last night? Both sides of the coin. Really impressed with the Hawks. And you speak about a few things that they've changed, and absolutely you could see that was evident last night. I loved what their midfield group did and taking control. And it wasn't that long ago they got absolutely touched up by North Melbourne, who at that stage had not won a game. And three of those North Melbourne midfielders completely dominated those Hawks mid. So I love the way they've been able to turn that around. But what a missed opportunity for the Sydney Swans. And I thought your introduction was spot on. I was one of those guys last week, maybe the week before, said, hey, the, the top eight's fixed. You know, unfortunately, we may not get to see much movement from here going forward. Within a week or two, I've completely changed my mind. And this maybe has been coming, and easy in hindsight for the Swans. Weren't fantastic last week. Weren't great the week before against the Blues as well. They got their right whack last night. Sam Edmund rounds out our quartet. Hello, Sam. Good to be with you guys. Looking forward to the show. Where's that been from Hawthorne, mm. though? Johnny Segler, the numbers are off the charts. So what a blessing, Ned Reeves. We wish you well, of course. But <laughs> he rolls the ankle in the captain's run. It might have been a match-winning ankle roll as well. So they've lost the top four out of that, Sydney. They've got Port, West Coast, and the Dogs after the bye. And then the Giants after that, who got them earlier in the year as well. So this might be the one that really comes back to haunt uh, John Longmire's Swans. I just wanted to ask Lepper, though, the coaches' boxes up there at the SCG, do they really have nightclub lighting? Or does it just look like <laughs> on TV? It is. It's actually darker in the, the boxes up there. It's a, it's very different, mind you. I hadn't been in, actually, the Sydney box for a long period of time. So it actually has been a while for me. It's sort of mood lighting. Yeah. It was a good mood in the Hawthorne box, though, anyway, Jerry. <laughs> it was. So for Sydney, there were a couple of interesting... Interesting aspects is their team last night didn't have those the young exciting brigade who have sort of lit up the first mm. phase of the season for various reasons injury and exhaustion they weren't there they're a team who was gagging for the bye quite clearly and it was one assignment too many but as Sam mentions that they're, they're eight and five great platform but the next three are sticky and if they did happen to lose them and go back to 50 50 then it's really on it is a concern for the Swans, and I think we've, we've always said about Sydney, you never want to play them because they're the team that can always beat you no matter where they are on the ladder or where you are on the ladder. But I think conversely, sometimes they can do the opposite. They can sometimes be that also the team to drop a game like this when you don't expect them every now and again. Mm. So, look, they are, you're right, Jared, they, they, they need a bit of a rest, there's no doubt. But one thing Hawthorne just went to work on, their forwards were really you know, ineffectual on the game. Um, Sydney forward, Heaney, McDonald. 
Papley Franklin. So, you know, they did a really good job at, at quelling their influence. You know, th- there's two trains of thought here, wasn't it? It was going to be it's going to be a 40 plus type game. I think we were all probably thinking this is the one for Sydney to, to mm. fill their boots because they've been okay in the last month without dominating where didn't that didn't that turn around? Yeah, and they've also had some close games this year. So 50% of their games have been decided by 10 points or less. And that's probably what you're touching on and and my experience is when whenever you played Sydney and you're spot on leper it's always a combative game. You go into that two hours of football knowing that you're going to walk away probably more sore than you would against any other team. It's just that style of game, maybe particularly because of the size of that ground. It's just so mm. physical. But you have to hand it to the Hawks, and they controlled the stoppages. You bring in the, the extra ruckman, what they did to Tom Hickey. They, they looked tired, but I also think there was just a sprinkle of just that mental fatigue of thinking, we get through this Friday night, enjoy the weekend, have a bye, and then let's launch. They forgot the first part. You've got to tick off that last two hours before you get to have your holiday. So what about the boxing session in the lead-up to it? So it costs you a player yeah. when Kaczynski accidentally concusses Lewis and you lose <laughs> one, but the benefits are everyone gets paired up and away you go. I think that was a massive win because, you know, when you're playing that, it's like local footy. Oh, did you hear that bloke punch the guy? Yeah, and, the, oh, and you build an aura about it. It's like, geez, Hawthorne are punching each other at training. Maybe <laughs> maybe that built a little bit of a stigma and it's something attached to them a little bit, you know. So they lose a soldier, but they win the war. But that is funny, isn't it? I know Craig McRae mentioned it was more um, he's ducked when he should have dived uh, and, and, and sort of fell into the punch a little bit. Um, so it wasn't as, as sinister as we thought. But, uh, look, they get the result, and it's good. And sometimes you've done those boxing sessions, Dale. Sometimes as players you think, why are we doing these things? But at times a young group needs to just do a lot of body-to-body combative training, whether it's wrestling, whether it's boxing or anything like that, just to get the feeling of well, the normality of body-on-body contact. Well, they, they tried to downplay it substantially last night. Everybody that didn't We do it every week. Well, yeah, okay. Maybe you do it every week, but not not everybody gets knocked out every week. I'm not buying any of that no. for what it's worth. And I'm I reckon there well. was just enough before everyone put the clamps on it to go, oh, no, I know exactly yeah. what this is. And I've been involved in those situations. We used to get this, particularly when we were young, if you're not going to compete on the weekend, so two weekends ago, the Hawks get rolled by the, the uh, Gold Coast Suns, 37 points, yeah. really poor effort. And they don't. Clarko does not stand for poor effort. You're not going to compete on the weekend? All right. We'll compete during the week and we'll see who really wants to be up for the fight. But unfortunately, probably for the Hawks players, it worked. From the very (laughs) first bounce, they come out of the blocks. They were swinging the first punch. It was the Swans that were trying to touch gloves. And I just thought whether it sent a message, whether it created a new standard of, hey, this is what we do here. I don't care how old you are. I don't care how many games you've played, young Newcomb. You rock mm. up and this is how you perform. I started on Monday and it got executed last night. Might have been a mindset game, Jared. No, they 100%. Had it. They had yep. it. The Swans didn't. But I reckon Michael Krishna were pretty busy with this game as well as a result. So we might chew over that a little bit later on. I'm not sure James Warple will be playing against Essendon <laughs> next week. But, hey, that's the price you pay. You'd rather that side of the fence than the other. I'm not buying that he zigged when he should have tagged <laughs> either for what it's worth. I want to be absolutely crystal clear. I think we're being told that the most satisfying right. version of events. I saw what it looked like on the field last night. I reckon. And it's pretty clear what it's happened It's a better version the anyway, isn't it? Well, yeah. their pressure rating was 1.9. Their average 1.7. So they, they clearly had a jump just in how they pressured up the ball in the game as well. So it did correlate to also football pressure, not just, you know, off-field boxing pressure, Jared. Um, so it was, it was good on them. It was a, a great win and one none, none of us expected. So I guess the, the trigger's out of it. So Hawthorne is all about what does this look like in the future. So Jaff continues to build yeah. his resume. That's really obvious. The Newcomb story is brilliant, isn't it? It is. Poo Wong. 
Six games Box ago. Hill. Six games ago, he was playing for Poowong. He's a strapping young lad, though, isn't he? He had more tackles than possessions in the end and breaks the all-time record for most tackles on debut. But when you look at that list, so John Newcomb comes in from nowhere. Will Day comes back. We know mm. what a special talent he's going to be. Denver Granger Barras was so highly rated, we haven't seen him yet. James Sisley's going to come back. They've got Jackson Callow, their other mid-season um, recruit, who they're pretty happy with as well. Plus, at the moment, they've got two 21 and 22 in the draft. So... What's that? It's potentially eight fresh faces, really. How quickly it can turn from looking like where's the reinforcements coming from to potentially a new leaf, a new page being turned over a bit quicker than what we thought. I still feel there's a lot of work to do. Oh, for and sure. I think what we saw last night was the possibility or what this group could grow into and whether you want to go back to the 2005 sort of era and watch yep. them growing before your eyes. There's some guys that are doing things that I think are ahead of time. You speak about a couple of their halfback flankers. You mentioned one, but there's there's multiple halfbackers. Sicily comes back in, but but what I loved particularly about Newcomb's game was we love all the flashy stuff, and so we should. That's what we highlight. We love brilliance, but behind the closed doors, and when you do a review, they rarely, if ever, show any of the glitz and the glamour. They show the mm. hard stuff that no one really likes doing. Young Newcomb comes in and has 14 tackles. Instantly, he gets a tick beside his name. Instantly, he's embraced by the playing group. I saw the way that Ben McAvoy hugged him post an interview last night on the game. It was like a father with his son. It was like, thank you so much. It was just like this embrace of, hey, you're a part of it. And that's within a couple of weeks. It was just great to see. How much did the ground, Leper, do you feel, help Hawthorne's ambush in the sense that it was a physical game? John Newcomb isn't someone who covers the ground, for example. Yep. It's a con- more of a contested game at the SCG. The dimensions say that. How much do you think... That ground aided Alistair Clarkson's, you know, and he had a longer build-up as well to pull some levers and, and might have assisted in that regard. Well, I think when you play like that, it doesn't matter what ground yeah. you play on, to, to be honest. You can you can bring that sort of pressure no matter what venue. Um, if anything, the SCG, given it's a circle, basically, I mean, you can get lost on the wings more than anything as a ground um, offensively. So you almost have to know how to play that ground from a ball movement perspective more than a pressure mm. perspective. So... Yeah, that's that's that particular ground anyway. But um, yeah, I've loved a, a few subtle changes that Hawthorne have made too with just their ball movement, keeping it a bit more simple. We just quickly touched on the uncontested mark stuff, but def- defensively they're getting their wingers to roll back a little bit more as we see Melbourne do and, and, and make it a little bit harder for the opposition with their ball movement. They're happy to stay same side a bit and be harder to be scored against back the other way so they're not flicking the ball from side to side, which... When, when it works well, it works well because you get through. Um, but when it doesn't work well, you've actually opened yourself up back the other way. So they're playing a style, I think, which is good for the players and the youth they've got. Because as a young player, there's nothing worse, though. You remember that you're playing on a half-back line and you turn that ball over and it goes straight back for a goal. Your head goes down and it might have 17 guys patch on the back and say, get your head up. But you know you've made that mistake. You know you're going to hear about it. You're probably going to get tweeted tweet about it. And so you, it's good to have a game style and it's not forcing players into too many errors. You've, you've coached a young side. How much did you have to accommodate for the inexperience and the safety of these young guys to feel like you've just described what you saw last night with the Hawks? How much do you have to take into consideration what you can and can't do tactically? Oh, you have to, um, because you don't put them in situations where they can't achieve what you set them out to do. And sometimes, with like, and this, this is one week for Hawthorne, they'll probably have a dip, you know, yeah. they, 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 can they keep this energy? One thing about a high-pressure game style like last night is that it's hard to do week on week for really young players. It's also hard to do week and week for really, really old players, as you know, because one week's not enough to recover. So you've got to, it's, it's a really mature type game plan to bring every week heat week after week. So look, they'll have their dips where they don't quite bring the pressure and 
the, the result won't go their way. Gee, the ruck was key, Jared. Oh, so yeah. Tom Mickey banged up. We know that. They double team him. We mentioned um, Segler, but with McAvoy, Johnny Segler's been trying to get himself back into this team. He comes in as the late inclusion. 19 of his 20 touches are contested, and he has 11 clearances. 11 clearances. He was enormous, Segler. And Hickey, he'll benefit from the from the buy as much as anyone yep. I would have thought. The worth of Tom Mitchell has been heavily debated for a few weeks now. Not the dollar worth or the pick worth, but his worth within mm. the game. It looked like he took that personally mm. last night. Hawthorne are now on record saying they have to find a way to get more high-end picks. They're not at the stage, they say, of talking about names, which we know will be nonsense, but that's their public line for now. What's Tom Mitchell's worth within the game? I must say he's probably one of the most intriguing and difficult people and players to put a number on and a measurement on. But I will say this. So he had 34 disposals last night, kicks the goal. I thought he was really good. And I say this in all due respect. If those that don't think that he's disposals are impactful, that he doesn't have a huge influence on the game, I'll allow you to take a couple off him. So if he has 34, take eight off him if you really want. So let's give him a quality 26. I still like the 26 that he currently has. Now, the mm. beauty and the luxury, imagine rolling out there, Leper, and you know that you're going to have 30 every day. It's a, like That's an achievement within itself to be able to find that much of the football. But what he does really well, and when he was at his Brownlow best and when he had some wingers that were probably more influential, he could get it out to them. And he was the one that created the space for the other. A little bit like a Tom Liberatore and what he's doing at the Western Bulldogs now. He's the source. He's the one that starts it. Now, he had 18 kicks last night, 440 metres game, which is probably more than he's had yep. off the top of my head in quite a while, Lepper. But I still think he has a value for that specific role. And every club needs that specific role. Now, it might be at the detriment of a Warple, who's probably come back a little bit off his best and fairest year when Mitchell was out. But unfortunately, that's the consequence. I still think he has a great value. Now, whether you want to say he's still one of the elite, I, I don't really mind where he sits in that because my take on it is you need that player in your team no matter what, and he's one of the better ones at that. One thing he doesn't probably do that a lot of the great players do now is drive his legs. He doesn't yep. really have that five, six-metre acceleration where he pulls out from a stoppage like a Danger can do or a Dusty. Um, he's very stand-and-deliver sort of guy, whether it's by hand or foot, and then he might even double up. So he might stand there, give a hand, then get one back, and then quick kick it. So you often say, well, is that a good possession? It's still got the ball forward. It's still got it going where we needed to go. But he's not the guy to go, right, I'm going to fend off, break a tackle, drive, quickly settle and get the ball going forward. So that's probably why you always question his value because how damaging are those 34? But as you said, Dale, you take them every day because what he hopefully does is give it to the guy then who does create that level of drive. If you were Clarko, would you be having a chat to him saying, we need more impact from you? Or would you be going the other side and say, this is who we are. We know what you're a lead at, Tom bringing other players into the game. How would you coach him, even at this stage of his career and knowing what he's already achieved? Well, it's a good question because, I mean, that, they'll know this answer better than, than I. But I guess if you're ever trying to get a player from being a high-position player to a more driven, you've got to find what works for him. So him, it might only be the first four steps. And that's all, it's all the drive you need out of him. It's actually, instead of handballing a loopy handball over the top of a defender, break that front line so that handball then impacts it really gives you an open clear way as opposed to a loopy one then you've got to get the handball back again then you get another one and you kind of go nowhere Hawthorne had a really bad start of the season really um, high position high handball in the back half of their ground because they were doing that though in a high pressure area they're over flicking the ball and not really going anywhere so the answer to that is just someone take the game on mm. to, you know test the umpire out see if you get a hold in the ball if not we break the game open ourselves which is what Richmond tend to do really well by hand they drive their legs they they're the, the best handball meters game team in the comp. And then that player then 
creates a really impactful inside 50 because you've got a guy running through the middle of the ground with clean air, which is yeah. exactly how you want every inside 50. You don't want an inside 50 with a defender standing in front of you. You want clean air so your forwards can lead left, right and centre. And also you as a kicker, you can kick a flat ball, a high ball to the side, you know, whatever you like. Um, so, yeah, so that's that's probably the add, add to the game, I reckon, for him. One more and then, Sam, you're going to run us through the MROs. Um, Frost shut out of Franklin, but a bit more than that. He drove him completely mad. Franklin's first two touches looked vintage. And we're thinking, mm. he's in for a night here. And then Frost just progressively broke him down, shut him out, and had him at his absolute wit's end. He's a, he's a very interesting player, Frost, because he's got these elite qualities where you think, wow, he's amazing. And then there's other days you're like, you shouldn't even be playing VFL. Like he's got these things. What are you doing? Like it kicks the ball out in the full, and he's almost like you can almost see these brain digging over what's going on. But it, when he's at his best, he looks like, wow, he's a fast, dynamic, difficult guy to play on. So I'm sure they're trying to narrow down those inconsistencies. But last night he had a night where, yeah, he took on the best and really did the job. I think he'd be at times, Jared, a bit of a nightmare and a head case <laughs> for the coaching staff. He's spot on there. But watching the game last night, I'm like, that is brilliant defence. But then within the split second, I'm like, oh, no, and now he's got the ball. What is he going to do? But he was fantastic. And the way that you can respond against one of the greatest players of all time after what did look like a, mm. a dangerous start from Buddy, I thought he was superb. He played really well. Sam, what will the postscript to this be? Look, I think Michael Krishna, as we mentioned earlier, he'll have a good look at James Warple, won't he, for that uh, tackle. What would you call it? Sling, dump, driving tackle on Harry Cunningham. And neither coach, I don't think, were asked about this last night. But his arm is pinned, Harry Cunningham. He's been driven into the ground. He did play out the game, which is important, but he did stay down for a fair period of time as well. So whether they get that to medium contact, I wouldn't have a problem with that. I'm not sure what the consensus view is in here, but I think James uh, Warple will be lucky to play Essendon next week. And the uh, the Sam Wicks yeah. front on. So th- this, uh, was it? Uh, no, it wasn't O'Meara. That was the other incident. Jager O'Meara and Will Hayward was the other one. Yep. So so Will Hayward lost to the game to concussion. So whether there was any realistic alternative there, the ball is right there that I think um, Jager O'Meara even gets his hands on in the collision. So whether they argue that there was no realistic alternative there, that might be the likely feedback to come back. Um, and I wanted to go back to Thursday night, Brandon Parfit. Now, this hasn't got a lot of airplay. I wonder if there was any surprise here. You guys thought that tackle on Kane Farrell, if you remember, he picks him up, mm-hmm. he picks his Leg yep. up as well. Yep. Clearly no case to answer because it didn't come out in uh, Michael Christian's um, uh, rundown of, uh, of events and classifications. wasn't mentioned at all. But I just wonder if that one there, Brandon Parfit, was uh, lucky to get away with that There one were two well. consecutive dangerous tackle free kicks. As mm. That was the first one. And then there was one immediately going back the other way. But it was very rugby league. It was. Wasn't the he, grabbed his, he grabbed his leg with one arm and lifted him up to a degree. So, again, it, it was a free kick. But Kane played out the game. He did come off. Came back on. Now, the, the Kane Farrell one, and correct me if I'm wrong here, but we, in rugby, is you've got to get them past vertical. Is vertical, that right? Yep. Yeah. So I, I I didn't think it was reportable. I thought it was you know, risky that if you're going to mm. try and lift somebody and therefore semi-dump him. I, I don't think it got to that point where it was dangerous in regards to head. He head, just yep. nailed him in the gut. He might have got lucky. Through. He might have yeah, got lucky. Sam Wicks had the one where the Hawthorne player head Will over day. the ball. I think right. it was day. Yep. yep. That that should be a mandatory week. Mm. That that's because that action we have successfully removed from the game. That was clumsy. Any yeah. moment where it comes up, it just should automatically be moved to medium mm. for the potential to cause yeah. harm. Yep. Don't worry about the outcome of it. That that is purely the action that we've driven and from Wicks the game. And Wicks knew straight away as well, Joe. Just. 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Spot on. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealership stock. The all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster, Jared, delicious, crunchy, new fried chicken by Red Rooster available at selected restaurants. The Rooster's calling. Round 13 edition of Crunch Time, Hawthorne over Sydney by 38 points. The round started on Thursday night. Bless. Bless <laughs> Thursday night footy. Um, Geelong beat Port Adelaide by 21 points in a highly entertaining encounter. Mm. We saw Hawkins, Cameron and Rowan in their seven games. It's now w- recounted well that they've kicked 59 goals in those seven games together. Justin Lepage, what do you see in Geelong's forward setup? Yeah, they've got a really good mix, haven't they? You've got three players that, well, I guess when we go back to the lines, we'll worry about Danaher and Hipwood being a bit similar, whereas Geelong have recruited three different styles. And we talked about every week, Jared, about the chef having lots of different uh, ingredients yep. to work with to make his uh, meal, and that's what you've got to have. And they've got all the different types of ingredients. And, you know, they've, it, it, I mean, even Close plays a pretty good role as a, a guy that doesn't really have much impact, but his teamwork down there and his ability to pressure up. And, you know, they've all got a different thing they're doing. And Jeremy Cameron's ability to get up the ground, get back to goal, and kick different types of goals. He, he kicks the one from 50 where he nearly gets his leg taken out from under him. And then he, he kicks that uh, forward 50 stoppage where he's a, a roving, crumbing, you know, 194 centimetre player. Yeah. He's got so many things that are hard to scout. Jeremy Cameron and and Hawk will always be Hawk. His style of player. So they've got they've got the really the the right balance going at the moment. Well, Jeremy Cameron's a triple threat. I, clearly, we know he's a common medalist and why he's so good. But he he takes it on the lead. He's brewing in front of his eyes when marking. Can take a pack mark if he has to. Goes back with the flight of it. Or as you've touched on, he becomes a rover. He can pick it off. I uh, pick it up off the shoelaces. And there is nobody better in the competition than snapping the ball from close or from distance. He, he is a delight. So Cameron, Hawkins, and Rowan. Now, what they also do, Leper, and you, you'd be understanding this probably, but they soak up defenders. They actually don't allow the opposition roll-off players, or a leer, a leer on Thursday night, to roll off and actually play that role that you want them to because you have to be accountable. The question becomes the danger conversation. Dangerfield playing midfield four because then that creates a new dynamic in that forward line if you were to do the three forwards that we've just spoken about. And then you sprinkle in Paddy Dangerfield in there somewhere as well. Yeah, that's probably the one part of the game. I thought, I wonder what they're going to do here. Nark will probably spend not as much time through mm. the midfield, a bit more in the second half. Danger probably started a bit more. But their game style and they got up and going too. You mentioned their forward 50. Well, the way they start with their uncontested marks, then sort of break the line through the middle part of the ground. They often end up with a plus one in their forward 50. Very rare that happens because, as you mentioned, their forwards are so good at pulling back towards goal when they've won the ball back and creating midfield space that... It forces the opposition defenders to go, do I want to stay back in my defensive 50 or do I have to come up to pressure that guy that's running inside 50? So often you'll see patches where there's a Geelong player running through centre forward going, okay, which option am I going to choose? I've got Jeremy Cameron to my left. I've got Hawk in the pocket. I've got, you know, and they just pick the nice, easy option going in. So they've got a great game styling up and going. Um, 
You know, it was it was still a close game. I mean, there was I think there were, they kicked three goals in four kicks mm. um, towards the end. So I mean, went to the toilet, come back, and the game was over. So <laughs> it was a, it was amazing well, what happened just to ice that game at, at the end for them. But it was a real arm wrestle up until that point. And surely the way they got there and got home from there won't be repeated. Surely we've bottomed out here in yeah. terms of the protocols. That, that, in extra- Jeremy Cameron <laughs> called it the weirdest day in football ever. It's just incredible how they got there. The charter flight on the way over, that small twin prop that they took, was so turbulent, Jared. I'm told several players were green, many close to being sick if, if some of them actually weren't sick. And then the six hours of waiting at the ground at the Sacker at the Cricket Nets, players sleeping under the table and under under chairs and the like. They, they brought some inflatable mattresses over that the players could lie on. Jeremy Cameron, I don't know if this is true, had nine coffees. Nine Maconas, he said he had during <laughs> the day. Oh, that cool. is incredible. We well, spoke <laughs> to Paddy Dangerfield post-game. Nine. He said Isaac Smith bowled 40 overs. He was that ball and <laughs> played indoor cricket all day. And then the, the biggest shock, Jared, with the fog closing in and the players being told after the game that uh, that they couldn't get back was a real kick in the gut. So straight to the Ibis over the bridge there in Adelaide. No overnight gear. They weren't preparing to stay. They had some toiletries because you shower and whatnot at the ground. Uh, they were fed at the ground, but then, as, as you guys know, Leperendale, hard to get to sleep after a night game. So no supplies were allowed to be taken into the Ibis. So I'm hearing the minibars got an absolute ransacking. No, no. They, the staff cleared the minibars out so before they, they arrived. They were so there was nothing in the there. room. So they couldn't get supplies in. So they were locked in their rooms until 7.30 in the morning when they opened up and there was a brown bag at the front. So a little bit of... Uh, a little bit of breakfast there. And then security outside the rooms, patrolling the hallways during the night to make sure they didn't leave. Just an extraordinary series of events. So absurd is the only word for what Collingwood was subjected to by South Australian Health Authorities and then Geelong. And the contradictions were everywhere. And probably the the easiest one to comprehend is Geelong uh, not to have any contact with any South Australian, but the coach has to walk through the crowd down onto the field. Like, it's so, it holds up to zero rigour. Zero. This ground's been redeveloped. It's a great facility, great stadium, and yet this comes up every single Mm -hmm. year. How can there not have been something done, a lift, a stairwell, something (laughs) where the coach doesn't have to walk through thousands of people to get to the... It's the same as Eddie Ed Stadium, but I I, I guess I can see the cynicism. Well, not really. (laughs) Not really, because you can get a lift to the ground floor at Eddie Ed, and then it's cordoned off at least. It's not perfect, but there's something. Yeah, I, I'm like you. I think, like like the all general public, I, I think you know a lot of these things don't pass the pub test, do they? If you if you if you're sitting there watching the game and South Australians can't touch the ball, you've got two South Australian journalists half a metre away afterwards interviewing players, mm-hmm. you know, that, that are in close contact, and you go, well, hang on, that's a little bit strange, and then. I don't know. And, and then, then, the team, <laughs> then the team sing the song with Master Jared. No. Now, the Cats have been tested. By the time tomorrow rolls around, they'll be tested five times in less than 10 days. And once to the satisfaction of South Australian Health Authority. So they're not allowed to leave the nets until the tests all come back yep. negative. At which point, how are they not then treated as mm. negative cases? That, it doesn't hold up to any <laughs> scrutiny whatsoever. That is the, uh, that's the kicker, that they have already isolated, left their families during the week to fit in with whatever they've been told to do by South Australia. They tick all the boxes. And yet as soon as they walk off the ground, and this is just absurd, but this is just for some humour. You can play the whole game. We clearly know that. You can embrace each other while you're on the ground walking off, high-fiving the fans, but you get a, a, a step inside the rooms. Can we all please wear a mask while singing a song? While still hugging, take your mask off, have a shower, go into the locker room, get changed, go into a team meeting, debrief. 
Come on now. Well, there, there Come was on a, now, Leffa. There was a fear, well, fear might be a bit strong, a concern among Geelong people that when they were told they couldn't fly to Melbourne because of the fog, they thought that there was a possibility that they might have to fly to Sydney or somewhere else because they knew they weren't allowed to stay in Adelaide. That were the yeah. provisions put in place. Thankfully, that didn't happen. But for a moment there, they thought, geez, are they going to make us fly to another state? Yeah. No, the, the um, Smokey and the Bandit drive to the border was on ever so briefly. On the bus. during So in the discussions that were happening privately oh. during the game, uh, I'm told that the drive to the border oh. was oh. on. So oh. I, Truck stop? I, I salute the AFL for landing these rounds. And I say, as surely as thinking people, and this goes on all levels, we are starting to go, these health authorities are taking advantage of mm. us all, I think, with some of what they're putting in place and the language that they're using. Just to round out the way that they end up getting at the Ibis. It was obviously done really quickly. Who ticked that off and who had that conversation and said, okay, you physically can't get home as it stands. You are allowed to stay. How did they get that done so quickly? Yeah, so and that was being allowed- negotiated, I presume, between Steve Hocking, who we'll ask, the, certainly the AFL and South Australian Health Authorities. But the AFL is helpless. Is mm. Whatever the health authorities say... They have to do. And Simon Lloyd is the conduit to Geelong, so he yes. would have been working the yeah. phones big time. And I think he found out while the game was on that the flight yeah. was off, but obviously we're not telling anyone that at the moment. Well, let's get the game out of the way first. So hopefully, now that Victoria is out of lockdown, borders lower. If they don't, then well, I actually think the AFL, the second time around, should have said to South Australia, no, we'll move the game. We if, might if, have Honestly, a- if that's what you're going to ask... We're going to go, no, it's, it's not befitting of a professional sporting contest and to yep, be going through this. We might have a crowd. Well, in fact, it's looking likely we'll have a crowd, a portion thereof, at GMHBA Stadium on Friday night, Geelong Western Bulldogs. All right, we'll get to that. Yeah. We'll work through the coaching scenario, the Nathan Buckley resignation. It has been one of the biggest weeks of the season for sure. That's all to come on Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. Stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. And for Red Rooster's new crunchy fried chicken available at selected restaurants. Crunch time with Justin Lepich, Nick Del Santo, Sam Edmund and Jared Waitley. Wednesday was momentous in the in the history of footy. Nathan Buckley is such a big figure. 14 years as a player, a storied career, 10 years as a coach. He has just one day left in black and white, Justin Lepich. What, what did you make of, of Bucks' departure? It was sad, and we've lost another good football person to Clubland. Really, that's the way I, I look at it. It's um, you know, it's a very difficult time because he's a sort of guy. His professionalism, his knowledge of the game, um, his his ability to be a, just a great ambassador for our game. It's it's gone, and that, that's probably the big thing I see. Then I see obviously his impact in Collingwood and what he's done, and you look back at all the great things he's done as a player and a coach. So it's a, it's a sad day. I'm, I'm, I never like seeing these things happen, but as Buck said, it's inevitable. We all. We all lose, um, I guess, uh, a little bit of time with each other at some point, and we all fall out of love for each other at some point, um, some earlier than others. Some we'll Look at David Teague, 40 games ago, they loved him, and the players almost recruited him into that position, and now 40 games later, it's apparently no good. So, yeah, but he had a great career. That's that's, that's the name of it. I felt like it was a bit, a bit of a football death on Wednesday, in the right context, so please take that in the right way as well, but... You know, not a Collingwood player uh, supporter growing up, but I love Bucks because he was a brilliant player and I love the way he kicked the football and then you respect what he's done as a coach. And I think, if anything, for me on Wednesday, Jerry, was a feeling of, of just a small thank you from a football lover. And I love and respect people that are dedicated to the cause. Now, that was part of his criticism as a player, that he was so fixated. And then it was part of a criticism 
as him in his early days as a coach and then that ability to change. So I felt on Wednesday was an opportunity to say, geez, I loved everything that he did. It wasn't always my favourite player, wasn't always my favourite coach, but just it, thank you is a simple way to put it. I thought it was, and the way that he handled himself, the way that he described his gratitude for what football had done for him and the Collingwood Football Club, I just thought it was a nice ending for him on Wednesday. So he is a picture of class and dignity. That's how he's always yeah. carried himself. Uh, and it was interesting, in all that was written, as Andrew Bolt penned a column mm. saying this is the great failure of public life now is the departure from a job. And from politicians down, they could all have a look at the way this transpired. Not about him, about the collective good and the debt of gratitude that he owed to the institution that he was essentially being told never, no wanted, wanted him no longer. And, that, and look, every time's a little different. So, I mean, I guess they're coming to an end. How long's their relationship? 28 years? It's a yeah, long Nearly 30 years. Yeah, as a player 30 years. So, I yeah. think when that happens, it's almost like living to 120. You are like, oh, you know, I'm very lucky to get this level of time. Some people might get two years and they probably don't feel as connected or nearly as happy about the results. So, I'm glad they went that way. I, it's, it's, I, I thought Collingwood did it terrifically from the start. There was no rumour mill flying out before the decision. There was, They all seemed to be, even given the difficult nature Collingwood's been the last sort of nine, ten months, they still seem to be, on this particular occasion, on, on this topic, all united and looking to get the response and, and, and get to a resolution. So I thought they did the whole thing really well from that perspective. Not a lot's probably got right for Collingwood the last 18 months, mm. but I thought this the way this was handled was really good. They did act swiftly, didn't they, Yeah. Joe? Very yeah. swiftly. From the long walk, so to speak, uh, that Graham Wright had with Nathan Buckley to the press conference during the week, there was <laughs> A big turnaround there. It was we made our decision. Let's get ahead of it and do it. And that—that that is the—that is the ideal way to do it. Have they made the case for change? That they—they they want change. They need change. And the only way to achieve change is not to have Bucks as coach. Yeah, I think so. And it's not just Bucks. I think with Eddie not there anymore, another probably the biggest key influence would have been Eddie in the last twenty years at that football club. Um, and now Bucks, it's going to be a different Collingwood, isn't it? Um, you do, you did see Collingwood for a long period of time just being the Eddie and Bucks show, so to speak, and now it's going to be completely different. We're going to see a, a new face. Who's it going to be? It's not going to be an ex-Collingwood or a Collingwood supporter. Um, you know, Collingwood institutionalised people. It might be someone that's former St Kilda Nick or former whatever. Like It's going to have a different blend to their culture now, so it's going to be interesting to see how it goes. I, uh, on the top of that, is I thought the timing was right as well. I mean, we've been discussing it, and, Jared, you do radio every day. I'm sure it's been a topic for the last 12, 13 weeks. It's just been on everybody's lips. Now, it's finally happened, but I actually think the timing of it is okay. You know, Bucks finishes up on Monday. Wish him all the very best. Send him off in the right fashion. What of that? What of the farewell game, so to speak, quote, unquote? Say that again, sorry? What of the farewell game? What, what, why one more game? Why um, not? So I think the time, the yeah. buy plays a part in it. Like the logic of let's give... Robert Harvey, the the week off to assume the role, yep. to grow into it, so it gives you actually a, a build-up. But I also think, could they really have just said Nathan Buckley is finished and gone today? Like, I don't think that relationship allows for just such a sudden rip him out. Mm, yeah. I think there has to be a... Yeah. And ideally, it would have been at the MCG. It's a People shame. could have come and it's said thank you. real shame. But yeah. it would have been too abrupt. And I know this, these things can go mm. either way, don't get me wrong, but... The Neil Danaher night, he had one more game at Melbourne, yeah. and they lost on essentially the last kick of the night. But it was important. I remember it was important. Mm. It was an important few days and the occasion where he walks off arm in arm with David Neitz, and the Melbourne people get to say thank you. So there's one element missing. It would have been too abrupt to say, 
we've moved him out and he's gone today. Yeah, Brad Scott had this a couple of years ago. He had that last game. I think they played the Western Bulldogs off the top of my head. Yeah. They won the game. He was at the top of the race embracing everybody. It was emotional. I'm with Jared. I think there's no issue mm. with giving him – it's not about necessarily a thank you, but an opportunity for everybody in the football world just to watch one last game led by Bucks. Storied figure in the He yeah. goes beyond. So I don't think yeah. – if it came to pass that Carlton and David Teague parted company, he wouldn't get a farewell game. Bit different. Yeah. But Cle- the clearly, Lee Matthews, clearly Lee Matthews isn't making the decision either because I asked for a farewell game when I played and he said, why? <laughs> <laughs> I kind of looked at him and thought, oh, do I have to explain why? <laughs> Did you write out your resume? He exit said, no. Stage, exit stage left. Yeah. <laughs> he looked, looked at me looking disdain. Like, what would you want that for? <laughs> That's so 2006, and we're terrible that year, near the bottom. I thought, well, maybe I could just sneak in for one more league. No. So, anyway, everyone's a little bit different, aren't they? And then the Mark Corder, should he or shouldn't he, that was the other interesting part of the day. He was off to the side, not part of the official announcement, not part of the press conference, of course, and, and their ongoing rumblings there with, with David Hatley, of course, the, uh, the long-time member and the petition that he's trying to frank the uh, legitimacy of via Collingwood and the p- apparent delayed tactics that are happening there, threats for court action and the like as well to to uh, speed up that process. So that rumbles on in the background. Can they, can they get a coach without sorting this out? Is that or do- such a good question. Mate, can I roll the question back to you? W- would somebody going for the job mm. be comfortable negotiating with one board knowing that there's a very high likelihood that another board takes over? Because you lived this to yeah, a degree. I did. Yeah, I did. The, the board that hired me... Um, uh, Lee Matthews, his ticket was in the process of taking on Angus Johnson's board at the time. So, and I got hired, shook Angus Johnson's hand, <laughs> and then from that point on, pretty much there was a bit of a board fight for the next three months before it all settled out, probably early the next year. So, um, so yeah, it is a it is a challenge. But that was money that one of the many distractions you have. But you do want to s- sort it out first because a bit like we've seen at Richmond, they had in two thousand and ten, they they changed the board over. They brought Brendan Gale in. Then they brought in Damien Hardwick. So there's a pretty clear alignment all the way down of what they wanted. So if it's not – sometimes if it's not your decision, you kind of go, well, hang on, I didn't select him. So if, if you keep changing the people above the coach, often the coach can then say, well, it's not my decision. Jared, one for you. What should the order of events be for Collingwood? What, what should How should this look in regards to appointments and timelines until they ultimately get what they should be for, say, the next three to five years with some stability? I think ideally you would hold an election – and get a board ratified by the people of Collingwood. Now, I don't think that's going to happen. So they have to run their process. They have to run it quickly, especially if there ends up being multiple players in the coaching market. Um, so someone's just going to have to have a take the leap of faith with Graham Wright, that Graham Wright is the newly installed figure. He, he ran point on the Buckley decision, and he'll run point on the new coach. And you'll just have to have faith that he has such a position of strength at that club that no matter what happens at board level, it'll be him. Mm. Because I doubt that any sort of vote happens before the end of the season. I think the new board installs the new coach from here. And it's not ideal. Sorry, I think the the current board installs the new coach from here. Um, Without any real clear idea of by February what that looks like. Mm. So it's untidy, but it fits with... I, I made the case during the week. I don't think there has been a bigger period of self-destruction in Collingwood's history than what's happened over the past six months. And I, I would run and I'd love to see the list of anyone who wants to put something against what Collingwood has gone has put itself 
through. Mm. They are the architects of their own demise, and it's now cost them their favourite son. Leopard, when can be the last moment a coach can be appointed? Uh, well... I guess whatever, really. Um, who was a recent example? It wasn't done till I think it might have been St Kilda till November, something a uh, time like that. Uh, but you, you can you can wait as long as you like. Really, it doesn't really matter because the coach, in essence, doesn't get too far involved in the recruiting component of things. But you do want them there to build your trade period in that yeah. if if you can and and sort of teach what you want to teach. You don't want to waste any preseason moments. That's for sure. Throughout the season, we'll be counting down the most unbelievable moments in footy history for Furphy. Refreshing nail, unbelievable. It felt topical that this should be today's. Ryan sets it into the pocket, two on one, the Eagles on the numbers, Sheed marks, did he play on umpire says no, go back and take your shot. Tom Sheed outside the boundary, right forward pocket, can he do it? He steers it at goal, no! And it is one of the great sliding doors moments mm. is how that relates to Nathan Buckley on that day and his legacy for all that he did. He will not win a premiership in black and white. Furphy, unbelievable moments. Furphy, refreshing ale. Unbelievable. Steve Hawking from the AFL to join us. COVID, the soft cap, player trading within season. It's all on the table with the AFL's footy boss. You're listening to Crunch Time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough. Round 13, crunch time. Hawthorne by 38 points over Sydney last night. Geelong started the round with a 21-point win over Port Adelaide. What next for the AFL to outrun COVID? Lockdown has finished in Victoria. Does that ease the situation staging games in this state? And at what point might crowds return? The soft cap has been the source of such angst throughout this season for football departments. Player trading, the future there within season. Steve Hawking the boss of footy at the AFL, to join us in a few minutes' time. Crunch time is for the Werribee Western Auto Group. Make the smart move at Werribee Haval by test driving the new H6. Before we do, so we're just discussing the coaching scenario. Nothing creates movement like movement when it comes to Hmm. coaching, and the first piece of movement has happened in Collingwood. Does Carlton tie in at all to this, Sam, now that they've formally instituted a... Curious review. And, and it's a pretty curious panel, too, that's going to conduct the review. It's seen as an external review with internal elements, given that the new president, Luke Sayers, with the support of the chief executive, Kane Little, are going to head the review. So it's having a bit each way. The three-member panel, though, has been described by Mark LeDudice during the week. The outgoing president, Graham Lowe, will be involved. Obviously, was at the Western Bulldogs. He's worked in rugby. Uh, he's worked in all manner of uh, places. Ernst and Young as well. Jeff Walsh, of course, long-time football administrator, most recently at Collingwood. And then the Fremantle great Matthew Pavlich, who will uh, will go back for a second review, Jared. Obviously, he was played a big part in the review of the Adelaide Football Club alongside Jason Dunstall, who was approached and rejected the opportunity to get involved for a, for a second time there. So it's Pavlich, Walsh and Lowe with uh, Luke Sayers and Kane Little, the chief executive as well. And I think it's fair to say that all coaching uh, positions are up for review. Probably the best way to put it. And and above that, I think I think the head of fo- the, uh, oh, the head general of manager too. of football would clearly be... Recruitment, strength and conditioning, all, ma- all, all pillars of the football yep. department will be looked at for sure. So no sooner had we spoken on Tuesday, Justin Leppich, than it was announced just, uh, John Barker was leaving straight away. Mm. So 
Carlton are short-suited now for their coaching. We spoke about the difficulty of running the rest of the season, and, well, that's magnified still by the absence of the longest-serving coach on that panel. Another good person lost to the game. It's going to be interesting for Carlton because, you know, and what that does to their coaching group as well because, you know, when these sorts of things happen, it can breed insecurities with those around, and those insecurities can do funny things to people Mm -hmm. um, as well. So it's not going to be a great place to be around, I think, in the next... Um, next 10 weeks, I think, of their, their season. The interesting thing, you'd be asking, those coaches will be asking questions to themselves, what does Matthew Pavlich know that, that about the game? He's a commentator. You know, they'll be going through all those sorts of thoughts as well, their human nature type things to do. And how is he assessing us? How does he know what ball movement should be? How, you know, the, the, all that sort of stuff and that unrest is going to be there. So it's going to be an interesting time. I've never been through an actual review where mm. people have been sitting. I don't know what they do. Do they, you know, you have, you, you've got a one-on-one with a player and you look over and Pav's sitting there watching you and what you say. I don't know. How does it actually work um, from that perspective? I'd be intrigued about whether their actions change. So you speak about the, the coaches and, and I'm, I'm with you on that one, Sammy, that everyone will be walking on eggshells. And, and as a player, and just put your player's hat on for a moment, when you're in that situation, you're out of contract, you're out of form, you're not quite sure what your future looks like, you feel like that. So now all of a sudden it's outside the playing group. They get reviewed heavily externally, internally, every week off the back of a performance. But now everybody's getting reviewed mm. week after week, day after day. Are there actions that they're currently doing up to standard? Well, the evidence in regards to what we're seeing on field would be a no but when you're getting reviewed, as you just touched on by people that they don't know, they don't have a relationship with, some don't even live in the state, what do they know? Do they actually know who I am and how I perform day in, day out? Do you think this actually helps? They've been accused of the past, Carlton, being a little bit selfish, so to speak, if, if, to borrow that word. Well, does this help that? Does this make help them become more team orientated? Or do you think that... Are you talking on field? Any, any area. Or does it make oh. you more self-aware? That's a very interesting point. Justin Lepich and Nick Del Santo kicking these issues around on Crunch Time. Jared Waitley and Sam Edmonds with you. The general manager of footy at the AFL is Steve Hawking. Steve, great to have your time on Crunch Time. Hi, Jared. Thanks for having me. In hindsight, was there a level of, of absurdity around the protocols on Thursday nights uh, in Adelaide and what transpired with Geelong? Oh, Jared, look, it's, um, you know, the, the pleasing thing is what, uh, what we've been able to do is work closely with the South Australian government to deliver games. I think that's really important, uh, that aspect, um, and that needs to be acknowledged. So you know, what, what we are trying to do um, in working with the South Australian government is, is make sure that um, the health and well-being of, of South Australians um, is, is looked after. And also, um, you know, the, the, the players, um, in, in this case, being Geelong and the week before being Collingwood. Um, so uh, we, we've worked closely with them. Um, we think that, uh, you know, unfortunately there was a bit of disruption around fog uh, landing, um, being un- unable to land the plane here at, uh, at Avalon. So we had to make a, a late call on that. We left it as open as we possibly could to try and get Geelong home. But you know, I'd, I'd refer back to, um, Jared what uh, how good that game was. You know, it was a pretty exceptional game delivered by by two teams that are uh, living to those uh, those protocols that uh, are put in place. It felt like it mattered a lot that Collingwood and Geelong won in consecutive weeks, but is there a balance, Steve, between what is suitable for high-performance professional sports and the, the finicky, rigid protocols that are being put in place by health officials? Uh, look, I think, uh, you know, we've, we've been very fortunate, Jared. if you have a look at over the last 12 months, we've, we've aligned ourselves to the health officials that you've uh, acknowledged there. 
um, and and the uh, the governments and you know we, we've been able to deliver the competition and, and that's largely due to um, the players and and all the coaches the clubs they've, they've just been um, you know fantastic in the way they've actually worked through it so now where we can we work closely um, you know with the governments and and um, you know, manage those protocols as, as best we can. Um, but we'll be guided by them because they're just, they're, after all, they're trying to look after the health and safety of, of, of our communities. Victoria's out of lockdown. There's one new positive case today. Do you feel a sense of optimism that borders will soon come down and you'll have more flexibility? Uh, and I, in the question, I salute you all for being able to keep the fixture going through uh, two extremely difficult weeks log- uh, logistics-wise. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Jared, and, and and thanks for acknowledging that. It's 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 certainly something that um, you know, the, the the whole competition should be commended for that. You know, you, you've just touched on that as far as the two teams that have travelled into into South Australia. But you know, we've been fortunate with the uh, New South Wales government, um, you know, to to uh, be able to play a number of games there. We've got um, Tasmania um, that is supporting. Uh, a game down there this weekend and, and into the future as well. Um, we're able to get a game away up in Cairns. Um, you know, th- these things you can't do um, without uh, without that support. So um, yeah, we're we, we're we're very we're very fortunate, um, but also acknowledge that everybody's doing it really tough across you know the Victorian community after being in lockdown. Um, over the last couple of weeks, everyone's, uh, yeah, it, it's not just uh, AFL football. Everybody across the community are doing it tough. Do you think next round, North Melbourne and Brisbane, Hawthorne and Essendon is likely to be played at Marvel and the MCG or will they be relocated? Uh, we're working through that at the moment, Jared. So what, what I can acknowledge is that uh, the time slots for round 14 um, will go ahead as planned. Um, but we're still we're still just in the in the final stages as to um, now we, we we don't and and haven't at any stage um, run ahead of um, you know the, the, the state governments and uh, particularly here in Victoria um, everyone's keen uh, you know particularly uh, fans and supporters um, to get back to the football so if we can achieve that um, that would be a great outcome. Will so just give. Just on a principle, Steve, is it likely that you would move them if you couldn't have a crowd? What What's the defining um, moment as to whether the games get moved or not? I, I think that, uh, yeah, definitely where we can uh, have crowds, Jared. Uh, you know, that's what we're aiming to do. But, uh, again, the numbers are tracking well uh, here in Victoria and credit to everybody on, on the back of that. Um, but we'll, we'll just stay in alignment with uh, with the Vic government, and, and we'll know more in over the coming days. Um, as I say, we're still we're still planning through that. As I, I know, um, you would appreciate and understand. Um, you know, a lot of this there's been uh, it escalated so quickly here. Um, you know, we, we needed to get ahead of it, and we're able to. Um, and say so that that's just through support of everybody across the whole competition, but also the uh, the state governments. Is Friday night locked for Geelong? Uh, n- not at this stage. It's something that, uh, as I say, we're working through with the Vic, uh, the Vic government. So okay. we, we would absolutely like it to go ahead there, but um, we're not going to race ahead um, and, until uh, we have that confirmed by the Victorian government. And do you have any read when borders might come down, given now that Victoria is out of lockdown? Uh, no, we, uh, <laughs> we, we absolutely don't. But if... Um, we have a look at what has gone on um, over you know, uh, past um, experiences with this, uh, particularly in, in 2021. 
there does there does seem to be a quick response um, from the uh, the state governments once it's under control. So it's 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 almost like it's um, you know you go into a really hard lockdown and then very quickly um, if if you've nailed it it uh, it opens back up again. And the last one out of Thursday night is um, Chris Scott and the the three quarter time passing by with a crowd member. Have you looked into that? What's your read on that? Is there anything to be done about that? Uh, the logistics of that. Look, it's something that um, the South Australian government uh, are okay with. I, th- I think it was just a um, accidental, um, uh, you know, slight trip. There is my understanding. Um, uh, you know, I, we would acknowledge the fact that there is um, you know, some work to be done around uh, you know, coaches coming through. It's 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 a uh, it's an unusual one compared to other stadiums where you know a lot of, a lot of our other stadiums the the coaches don't come through the crowd. So we'll we'll just continue to work with the relevant stakeholders on that, um, and and certainly you know, if we need to address it, we will. Steve Hawkins, the GM of footy at the AFL, Justin Lepich. Steve, obviously a big bone of contention this year is the the soft cap and all the work um, that needs to be done off the field. There's been obviously a lot of negative talk, I guess publicly from those involved with Bevo, mentioning that the, the, the game's probably lost its luster, the roles out there. Craig McRae last night mentioning it's harder than it's ever been and the, the multitasking and medical staff being under-resourced. Are the AFL aware of the toll coming out and the language coming out of those involved at Clubland? Yeah, we certainly are, Justin. Um, I, I think that, uh, you know, firstly, what what I would like to acknowledge is that this this isn't just been exclusively um, in, impacting the AFL. This is every business right across, you know, the whole world, and and particularly uh, within this country. Um, you know, you listen to a lot of cafe owners and and uh, restaurant owners and so forth. Everyone's been impacted in some way, um, you know, significantly by this. So um, certainly, we're we're hearing that language. What we are doing is we're addressing it via, um, you know, the right meetings with the clubs to understand if if there is any um, adjustments that are required, and if so, um, you know, where do you potentially make those adjustments? Um, you know, what what I would say is that, um, you know, if, if you have a look at the work that's going on, everybody is working. Like my team. Um, and my team has, has been reduced by um, you know, up to 30% um, from uh, you know, pre-COVID to, to now, and, and we're delivering um, you know, the competition in the way that we are um, with that reduced workforce. We've had to learn new ways um, and, and uh, implement new systems to, to cope with those workloads, and you know, r- right through to you know, managing people in and out of the programs. And I, I think that... Um, now, if we're going to continue to spend time on um, uh, recognising that what we had prior to COVID, um, we're still doing that post-COVID for for a, a, a reduction in the soft cap, that's that's just not doable. And so, all of us, it's incumbent on all of us to understand that and recognise that uh, you know where where we should. You, you, you need to you know potentially um, be doing things differently. That's certainly what we've adopted at the AFL. Yeah, I don't know your staff as well. As you said, everyone's taking a hit, restaurant owners, the whole lot. It's, is it a little bit different with the staff given there is a cap for them? Restaurant owners don't have a cap. Your staff don't have a cap. These coaches, these people have to be forced and to make decisions based under that. Are the AFL open to a, even a collective bargaining agreement or, or, or someone to have a conversation so they get both sides of the ledger? 
Uh, look, the the, uh, the conversations are going uh, going on, Justin, and and you know one of the things that has come out um, of of this COVID period is just the generosity of spirit right across the whole competition, and and off the back of that, I, I think we're collaborating more than we ever have, and and so you know everyone's listening um, to you know what are the emerging issues. Um, you know, let's let's recognise that. Um, that you know that soft cap, we're only six months into it, so um, you know we, we need a whole season to to understand it. But in saying that, we are having those um, discussions with all the all the relevant uh, decision makers ac across the competition, and we'll continue to do that. So they are being heard, um, and they're being well represented by the relevant people. Who are their representation? Because I know the CEOs meet about it; they're, they're not in the uh, soft cap per se. Are there, is there any representation or a figurehead? I know the AFLCA aren't. A union, so to speak, but is there a figurehead that represents these people, or is it just the CEOs that go into bat for them? Uh, so it's, it's everyone from CEOs. So the, the meetings that are being held with clubs, Justin, uh, uh, include, depending on the club, it includes the, the CEO, um, the CFO. Um, at times, uh, there's been senior coaches um, and GMs of football in those meetings, um, you know, varied across clubs. Um, you know, we continue to work with. Um, the uh, you know doctors association you know you talked about allied health and so forth. Um, you know Dr Kate Hall is is uh, uh, works in my team and is, is regularly meeting with all the psychologists across the club. So there's there's excellent rep representation at all the different levels um, that you've touched on. Do you worry, Steve? Do you think the worry is real that good people could be lost from the industry because of the stresses they are feeling in the reduced environment? Um, look, I, I think in in any in any um, uh, business, Jared, there's always a risk of that. Um, you know, there, there, there will just naturally be people that um, you know will make decisions um, based on what is best for their own circumstance, and 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 so you know what we're mindful of is you know making sure that we're um, you know delivering a uh, a game that's inclusive of all um it's it's available and and able to be accessed by you know a, a range of different uh, players coaches and I, and I don't think it's just coaches i think you know we, we want to maintain um you know elite competition and i, I think what we're seeing this year is we, we're definitely seeing an elite competition on full display we saw that with the aflw comp you know it's 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 one of the best seasons in five seasons of that and in 2021, what we're seeing with the, uh, the AFL competition is an exceptional uh, comp, and, and, and that's people. Now, at times, people will you know, make decisions based on their own personal circumstance where they may leave the industry. Steve, is it fair to assume that clubs will receive more money in that soft cap next year? Is it, can it turn around that quickly? Have you identified that that is a priority going forward? Uh, that's a long way off, Nick. I, I think that um, you know, what I've acknowledged in this, um, you know, this discussion is that we're working through that, um, and uh, that, that there'll be uh, the relevant people will make those decisions at the appropriate time. We saw a couple of weeks ago player movement through the mid-season draft. Firstly, did you like what you saw a couple of weeks ago, and did that satisfy where you're at right now with what you're seeing? Uh, yeah, I, I really like it. Nick, I, I think that um, you know, it was first introduced in 2019, and, and uh, you know, there's a range of players that have continued um, you know, to, to contribute to uh, the game. Um, you know, if, if we go through that list alone, uh, you've got John Noble and Will Snelling, Marlon Pickett. Um, you know, if you go to the SSP period as well across 
um, you know, December sort of through to March. You've got Sydney Stack and Michael Gibbons and, and many others that have found their way onto alternative ways onto club lists. And so, yeah, I, this this piece really excites excites me, excites our team. Um, and uh, you, know, you, you look at someone like uh, Joe Newcomb last night, you know, playing playing his first game, um, you know, a, a week later after being taken. It, it, it shows that second tier competitions can support um, the elite the elite competition, and um, and those opportunities are available. Clubs are in that you know that um, that headspace that they can actually um, elevate their list within a season. And I think, you know, for fans of Hawthorne, they'll, they'll watch, um, you know, Jai now over the remainder of the season and be quite excited by it. So I think where we can, um, you know, having having the ability to to access players um, and give them and provide them with opportunities to, to play, um, you know, the AFL game is, is, is we should be doing that. It excites you. It excites the clubs. It excites the fans. You mentioned Newcomb last night. Does that mean, as a flow on from all of that, that there needs to be more opportunity for players to be able to move throughout the year? Look, I, I think that's something that we definitely do need to continue to explore. Nick, I, I'm on record of of uh, being supportive of that. Um, and uh, you know, I, I think that uh, you know what it does do is it provides clubs with the ability to, um, uh, you know, potentially continue to compete throughout the year as well. And um, you know, there's there's uh, there's a range of players across clubs that uh, you know, just aren't you know, playing AFL football, and they're, they're there to do that. So you know, can we potentially provide opportunities for them? Um, you know, to, to uh, move to another club, they're all things that uh, need to be explored. And we'll work with the AFLPA on that and, and the clubs um, as to whether or not that can be achieved. But, uh, you know, I, I'm, I'm more than um, willing to acknowledge. I think it's an exciting part of um, our future. Does that include the potential of a trade window, the club-to-club trading in the middle of the season? Yeah, Jared. Look, there's a there's a range of things to consider on you know with that um, you know, whether whether you can be trading um, draft picks at that time as well. So there's a number of things that need to be considered with that. But I, I think it adds to adds to our game. Steve, Sam Edmund here. I wanted to ask you about Dane Beams, who, as we know, had two years to run on a contract when he announced his retirement following a break from the game for mental health reasons. Obviously, he was adamant on SEN this week that his settlement came outside Collingwood's salary cap. Um, did it? Well, Sam, I, I can't. Um, I can't comment on individual cases. Um, I, you know, I'll, I'll just state that up front, um, and, and I'll also acknowledge that it actually doesn't sit in my area. But what I will acknowledge is that um, you know, all of the Collingwood player contracts and, and, and every player contract across you know the competition um, has to be approved by the AFL. Um, yeah, that, that's what I you know I, I can comment on. So, so, Steve, should it be in the AFL's interest, broadly speaking, to, to help clubs shuffle money around in this space? Uh, as, as I said, Sam, it's, 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 it doesn't sit in my particular area and uh, you know, Andrew Dillon and his team look after this and, and um, you know, they, they work closely with the clubs. Um, every club, every player's contract has to be approved, submitted from the club to the AFL for approval. Just coming back to the football department soft cap that Justin was asking you about earlier, is it fair to assume that there'd be a moderate lift there, do you think, going into next season, Steve? 
No, look, I, I certainly haven't uh, acknowledged that, Sam, in, in what I shared with, with um, you know, with Justin there. It's um, it, it's something that we're working through. We'll continue to work through um, you know, where where that lands. You know, it, currently, if you have a look at the last two to three weeks, I think we all need to be reminded of the impact on mm. the competition and the community, and um, you know, to race ahead and and talk about what um, 2022. Um, you know, is going going to look like would be foolish of, of every one of us um, across the competition. You know, we've got to make sure that the game continues to um, you know to um, flourish, and and part of that is um, you know considering what um, has has been impacted over the last two to three weeks, and 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 also make sure that it's there for all of our fans and supporters um, into the future. And so we've got to be responsible around that, and and that's a, that that is a stewardship that we carry seriously and, and we'll continue to uh, make sure that we apply in that decision making you know the game the game has to grow it has to be available for future generations and and so sensible decision making around that um, is really important and it's got to be there for our fans and supporters you know we've got to get them back back to the game could it be there for us on a thursday night steve could we have thursday night footy every week next year Oh, I think we'd all enjoy that, Jared, wouldn't we? It's uh, look, I, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a football fan like all of you um, on this call, and uh, I loved sitting there on on Thursday night, um, you know, watching that game. It was an extraordinary game of football. I think it's you know one of the best games of the season. It, it had absolutely everything on display. You know, both teams, um, you know, going toe to toe and, and big key forwards kicking goals, lots of goals, Jared. We all uh, we all like that um, experience. Yeah, Thursday night um, is something that uh, Travis Orton, Marcus King, you know, that team fixturing wise will work through. There are some considerations around that that we need to we need to work with, and that is you know five day turnarounds, those types of things. But it, it's certainly something we've got. Um, obviously, some Thursday nights coming up um, over the over the coming weeks as well. So yeah, I, I, I'm one for. Um, more Thursday nights, Jared. So, are you of the mind that let's see if we can overcome the obstacles for for next year to make it a a more permanent part of the fixture? Yeah, I, I think wherever you can, Jared. You, you know, you, you comment there as far as obstacles. What, whatever we're doing um, within the game, um, you know, we we work out how how best you can overcome those obstacles. If it, if it's good for the game. Then it, it absolutely has to be considered, no matter what it is. Um, you know, whether it's how the game's being played, or um, you know, fixtured, or, or you know, the fan supporter experience in, in, a, in a stadium, um, the viewer experience, all, all those things. If there are obstacles, it's it's incumbent on us to, to make sure we work through them. Steve, always good to have a chat. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Jared. Appreciate it. Steve Hawking, the general manager of footy at the AFL. So uh, a little bit to work through there. Uh, today's footy uh, starts in the twilight. Fremantle and Gold Coast, St Kilda and Adelaide. We're gearing up for that day of footy for Dometic. Fuel your adventure with Dometic's outdoor drinkware. Sam Edmonds going to take us through the free agency list, which was updated yesterday where are the commodities in that to be worked through? On crunch time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships, they stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X built tough. Crunch time with Jared Waitley, Sam Edmund, Nick Del Santo and Justin Lepich. Our games this afternoon that begins in the twilight, Fremantle and the Gold Coast, St Kilda and Adelaide for Dometic. Enjoy the great outdoors with all the comforts of home with Dometic. 
Um, we've had a, a lengthy chat with Steve Hawking on the various issues before us. Uh, there's obviously no clarity around next weekend just for the moment, Sam. No, there's not, unfortunately. I thought we might have got a little bit more clarity, but as you said, they've been really conscious and they've been consistent with this ever since we got into this mess last year of jumping ahead of the government. So the less advanced the planning is, the the easier it is to then be to pivot and be flexible, Jared, all those terms we know. Yeah. but So reading between the lines, there won't be games in front of empty stadiums. No. So they'll move it, but the time slots and the days will remain intact, which they've been at, at pains to point out right throughout this season. So hopefully we get a Friday night down the hallway and hopefully we get some people in the stands. But that sounds like it's a fair way away from happening at the moment. Hmm. If there's... I can imagine crowd, a crowd being allowed in Geelong. Regional. I, I can't imagine a crowd at Marvel and the MCG no. next weekend, not given our health authorities in this state. Well, you can't have people at your home at the moment, so pretty hard to justify having 20,000 people at Marvel <laughs> Stadium, I would have thought. Go to a cafe, though. You can go to a cafe. Mm. Just can't have that coffee at home. <laughs> uh, and the soft cap, that it was yeah. quite interesting that there's been a broad assumption that we'll, it will increase. That, that's clearly not to be assumed from here. No, definitely not. And a few things that come out of that probably, and he, he does very well, Steve Hocking, not to probably answer him too directly. But, um, the, yeah, the, the process behind it is he consults a lot of people and makes his decision on what it should be, or the AFL make their decision on what it should be. There isn't really any clear representation directly from from those to negotiate that, uh, maybe the CEO. Um, and, and the last thing, he, he didn't really want to talk about the potential of a CBA, which I don't think the AFL ever want to have happen to negotiate someone. Yeah. So that they're probably the clear things to come out of that. And now it's up to those within the industry to decide what they want to do. I'm out of it at the moment, so <laughs> no point me fighting for them. But, well, um, yeah, it's a very important one I for them. I saw Jared smiling from ear to ear when he spoke about Thursday night. Yes. He's a big fan of that, which is a great starting point. The other one was the player movement mid-season. Yes. And I know we all in this room love it. And, Jared, you probably more than anybody in Australia, and we understand the reasons for it. But I thought he summed it up brilliantly. There is a lot of good plays in the system right now that aren't getting to play AFL football regularly. So why not give those guys an opportunity and just find a way to navigate and work through those challenges as it currently stands? The other bit that I took out of this, and correct me if I'm wrong, it can happen. It's just about working out all the finer detail, compensation, what does one club get, and the timing of it all. But I feel like we walk away a little bit more optimistic that this is yeah. something that they are definitely more than just looking at. This is possibly going I to happen. I think Steve's a futurist, future. isn't he, by by definition? Like, yep. he is someone that wants to make the game change and get better, and he does it with his rules. He does it um, with the off-field component, too. I think he's the one at AFL that's always pushing to, to make us a little bit better um, off the field as well. Yep. The Crunch 4 bet with Joel, Australia's number one tipping service, Gamble Responsibly, 1-800-858-858. So on player movement, there was a free agency list updated mm. yesterday that it had 119 names on it, Sam, that we set you the task of scrolling yes. through last night. Go so through the one a- by one. The <laughs> AFL set this out to clubs for the first time yesterday too, it must be said. You mentioned the 119, down from 140 at the start of the year, Jared. There's six restricted free agents still at large and 113 unrestricted. So just to quickly explain, restricted, it means they're in the top 25% of earners at their club this year and they've been at that club for you know eight to nine years. So a player's current club can match any offer for a restricted free agent. The unrestricted are just that. They can join the club of their choice. And this pool, though, is really a combination of older players at the very end of their career, well and truly in the twilight, players like Mark Murphy, David Mundy, and all players that simply aren't going to be going anywhere. 
everywhere. The Joel Selwoods of the world, maybe Jack Zebel as well. So it's it's hard to get super excited about the unrestricted group. Mitch Robinson is on there from the Brisbane Lions. So he and the club actually just are poised to agree to a one-year extension. That was an easy one. That will be confirmed soon. And, and he's playing some great footy, Mitch Robinson. So... With Victoria out of lockdown, Melbourne out of lockdown since Friday, and the club's in the middle of their buys, it'll be next week, the face-to-face meetings, list managers, player managers, uh, recruiters and the such. This is where the talks will really take off around this time next week. The other part of it is clubs are not expecting this to be the hot market like previous years, which disappoints people like myself, Jared. Apart from North Melbourne... Essendon, maybe Hawthorne, maybe Carlton. Clubs are really tight. You know, they've pushed the money back. There's deferred contracts everywhere. Payments that have been made to adjust to this revised total player payments ceiling that's been brought on by COVID, of course. So the situation that Collingwood found themselves last year has spooked clubs to some degree as well that, geez, we we could make room for player X and, and push this back and push player Y and Z back. But, gee, do we want to get into a really sticky situation forcing ourselves to make room where there just might not be any? So... Let's look at the restricted first. Yes, I think Josh, the intrigue list for us. Josh Kelly is well and truly captain of the intrigue list. So the Giants were caught between a rock and a hard place. They signed this contract that will see Kelly earn $8 million over eight years if he takes up this option in his contract. Similar, but on a far bigger scale than Andrew Gaff, the only two players with this massive trigger in their contract. So Kelly is one to not be rushed. One of the great contract procrastinators, it was put to me. I think it's more likely he leaves, but where he goes to, there's only a small number of windows there. North Melbourne can afford him. Essendon can too, and he's got some links there in Dylan Shield, Devon Smith. He's 26. He's an All-Australian in 2017. He's been the standing skipper this year. I would argue has been in some reasonable form this year too. What do you think happens with Josh Kelly going forward? And what does it mean if he stays at GWS? Well, if he stays at GWS, he's getting $8 million. That's your starting point. Now, I don't know if he's worth a million dollars on the open market right now. I know a lot of players are getting paid overs, but I don't know. If he leaves, as you said, your actual options are limited. And then for him, it's being able to work through what is your priority. Is it about the money? Is it about going to a football club for the remainder of your career? that you think ultimately can win a premiership. And you've got to balance those two things out because they don't always – they're not always aligned. You've got to be able to match that then. He's, the, the club, if he doesn't go to the Giants, will have to pay him $8 million over eight years as well. So mm. I don't think – is he worth that at the moment? I wouldn't, I wouldn't have thought so. So you've got to also negotiate that part of it as well. He might mm. have to negotiate down to leave potentially. Yep. So, and I don't, he might sacrifice no, to go, yeah. And no one likes doing that when they've got already the bird in the hand on one side. So is it hard to bring Kelly into any footy club? Like That's a big thing to do to bring somebody in to your group and then sell it to your players. Oh, by the way, he's going to earn way more than any of you over a much longer period of time. And he mightn't be quite as good as he was when he signed that contract. Yeah, it is. Absolutely. And players think like that too, don't they? they they'll look at their performances, those of others, and what they're getting paid and um, form their judgments. So you've got to be very careful. I know Richmond did it, do it really well when Tom Lynch came in. They got all the leaders together and they spoke through it. And I think they even extended Jack out and did a couple of little nice things to, to look after the most important influential people there. So they do have to manage that situation really well if they're going to do it. You can't just plonk them in and say, oh, well, you know, just deal with what potentially could happen in the background because... 
you want to keep the change room happy, that's for sure. Just yeah. to give some clarity around that, and this is for anybody that goes through this situation, does it have to be matched? Can he say, okay, I accept that I'm not taking my eight years if he was to leave the Giants? No, I think he can neg- I'm leaving that behind, and I'll a take a deal. four- or five-year deal at yep. a club of my choice for a different number. I believe that's the yep. case, okay. the latter. Yep. Who's the vice-captain on the intrigue list? I think Jack Billings. I think Jack mm. Billings at St Kilda, and somewhat of an annual topic, I'll admit, but on somewhere around the $700,000 mark this season, very hard to value, though, from a rival club point of view. Pick three initially. If he kicks straight in 2017, he's probably All-Australian. Injured earlier this year, then played on a wing, then played forward. I'm not sure the demand is off the charts, but what perhaps more the conversation needs to be framed around St Kilda and what they would look to do. Obviously, they brought a lot of players in. They're pretty tight in the cap as well themselves. They put all their eggs in the basket for the here and now. So do they keep Jack Billings? Or do they look to perhaps ease the squeeze, so to speak, see what he can get on the open market and you get some, uh, some, I guess, some draft cachet back in the other way? How does it look with Jack Billings at the same? Well, I think it could look good for both parties, to be completely honest. You know, Jack probably not playing to his full potential right now. And off the back of that 2017 year, I completely agree. He kicks straight. I think he kicked 20 goals, 40 or something similar like that off the top of my head. So one goal, two basically every week. Uh, he's a good player that's not playing anywhere near what he is What's capable of. What's his position? What's his... That great, that's part of the question, isn't it? I think they've, they've, they've got him set as a half-forward winger only. Um, I think Jack would love to play a little bit more midfield time, but that's not how they're seeing him at the moment. It may be in his best interest to try somewhere fresh. Next. Well, actually, keeping with the, the reduced list, so Jack Rewalt's re-signed for a year. That was never in any doubt. Jared Lyons is recommitted to the Lions as well. So that's uh, the dilution of the 140 down to the 119. What about Zach Merritt at Essendon? I think if you have the conversation now compared to having it at the start of the year, even a couple of months into last year, it's extremely different. I think it's got to a point, Leper, where he just cannot leave that football club, can he, Zach Merritt? Well, you'd, you'd want to know the reasons, wouldn't you? It'd be strange to leave right now, given the fact that they seem all fairly happy um, at that organisation, even. Nick Cox came out this week, said how, how he loves being at the place and doesn't want to leave the place. So that seems a pretty good tick. Um, they look like they've got a future and, you know, they've got enough room in their cap to pay him. So I can't see a reason why he'd leave unless something crazy happens. George Hewitt was on the trade table for a time last year, Jared. It Not pushed out by any stretch, but if the right offer came back, he would have been encouraged to explore a trade. He's a restricted free agent. So very well-paid player up at the Sydney Swans, a very good player too. The, the fact he's a restricted free agent shows you where he's at in the, in the, in the pecking order at, at Sydney. He's a restricted free agent. I just wonder if he would hold appeal there for a rival club, given he's one that, um, that still sits uncontracted beyond this year. I don't think you'd be in huge demand. Huge demand, Sammy. And Matt Crouch is the other one. Matt Crouch is the other one, Jared, who's been injured, of course, all year. And then Patrick Cripps, who the contract that was said to have been done still hasn't been done officially. Um, is it four years? Is it five? The co-captain of the Blues still had a contract going forward. That's a watch this space as well. And he's not a free agent, but Harry Mackay, that is a yep. massive issue mm. at the moment, the priority for the Blues. And I'm told he's after significant remuneration as he probably would be justified to receive. Sam Edmonds' intrigue list out of the free agency. Uh, that's the crunch for Bet with Joel. Transparent results driven sports tips. Gamble responsibly 1800 858 858. So I think we're going to hear from Scott Pendlebury shortly, the Collingwood captain, ahead of Nathan Buckley's final game, the Queen's birthday Monday encounter with Melbourne. Oh. Who needs a rever for Harley Heaven? The Harley Davidson Pan America is coming to Harley Heaven in Melbourne, Dandenong and Ringwood. 
visit harleyheaven.com.au for details. So where shall we direct our Harley Heaven rev up today for Harley Heaven, the home of Harley Davidson? How about in a positive way? Matty Rowell, mm. get to business. It's great to see you back in the twilight today. And I think the threshold is low to win the rising star. <laughs> I think, and I felt this way for six or eight weeks, four best on grounds in the remainder of the season. And keep in mind that he had three from four in his first year. Four best on grounds, and I think we'll all sit there and go, just as a matter of fairness, he is by far and away the best player in this. And we're not going to be put off by the fact that it's only a limited amount of games. Hasn't Get to played work, since Matty round Rowell. one, Jared. That's right. Round one. And last year he played four full games and got nine Brownlow votes, mm. where no one can hold a candle to. And if he were to put in four games that go best on ground, best on ground, best on ground, best on ground. I think just we'll this, all go, hey, do you know what? Let's just reward the very best mm, kid we've seen in it's many years. It's the vibe. It's Marbo. This could significantly test the Nick Cox publicity train, which has worked itself up into a real lather in recent weeks if the Matt Rowell juggernaut gets going again. I'm with Jared. Because uh, I, I think we only remember the last 10 weeks anyway, don't we? <laughs> well, as human beings. Oh, I'm a goldfish. I've got no idea what happened 10 weeks ago. So. Hey, he's, he's great to see him back. The PCL, yeah, of course, uh, uh, was one of the, the – just the, just a crappy – development in football round one goes down with the PCL he's back I just hope he can hit the ground running again I love I love that people have put money on him in the last three weeks knowing that he was going to be coming back shortly he's come back in to about six dollars fifty I believe fifty from what Jared what was he I reckon he was about twenty one dollars three or four weeks ago if you had the foresight for it at the start of the week he was nine dollars he hasn't played (laughs) (laughs) if he plays a game where he's in the votes tonight. Oh, no. He'll be $3 by Monday. Oh, no. I've got him third on the line of betting here behind <laughs> Nick Cox, Tom Green, and then you got Matt Rowell. Hasn't played since round one. Bolted up to third line. Amazing. Can't okay. wait to see him. Scott Pendlebury's press conference is about to start the Magpies captain ahead of the Queen's birthday encounter. The last time for Nathan Buckley to lead the Pies. Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, great, mate. I'll, I'll kick it off, mate. Um, obviously, when we spoke to you on Wednesday, the news of Bucks was quite uh, fresh and raw, and you, you said you felt numb. The playing group felt numb. Uh, you've had a few days to let it all sink in. How, how's the, have the past few days been for you and the playing group? Um, yeah, the, I think the immediate reaction was uh, a feeling of yeah, a little bit, a little bit shocked. Um, a bit numb. Um, yeah, I, I suppose we had the, the day off yesterday and um, come in and train today. And um, yeah, it, it is a bit weird, but um, Bucks has done a fantastic job as, as well as the coaches of, um, you know, really knuckling down and trying to get us focused on the task at hand for Monday. So, um, you know, we acknowledge that it's, um, you know, it's going to be a big occasion. It's going to be a bit of emotion in the game. Um, but we want to be able to go out there and play a, a good brand of footy on Monday and, and try and get the result. And um, yeah, I think there's there's been different conversations amongst the group about how everyone's coping and it's just more just checking in and see everyone's going because um, yeah, there'll be a range of emotions and, and different players will handle it um, differently. And, and the same can be said for, you know, everyone that's been involved at this club that, that's come across and, and dealt with Bucks in, you know, his playing and coaching career. From a playing Playing group point of view, mate, do you feel like a sense of responsibility to, to get that result for him on Monday? Um, oh, we you can't stay for football. We can't, you know, we'd love to get a win. And, um, you know, I feel like our form the last sort of three or four weeks has been building. And, you know, obviously we had a good result over in Adelaide in trying circumstances. So I think, um, 
you know, one, one thing that we have been fairly consistent at this year is our effort. At times, our skill and our execution has been poor, but I feel like that's building. And yeah, look, we'll go out there um, and, and give it a best shot and it'd be great to send him off with, with a win and um, that's what we'll be aiming to do. Uh, Scott, you obviously are a teammate of his and you've been coached by him for a long time. Can you just give us a sense of what he's meant to your career and, and his presence around the place? Yeah, coming in for me as a, uh, a 17-year-old, and um, I think when you you told people you, you got drafted to Collingwood, they all just, you know, it was Nathan Buckley or Eddie Maguire or, or people like that. He's just been such a strong figure and, um, you know, such a, a big role model for the way to attack yeah, your football career, your way to attack life. And, um, yeah, he's been, a, you know, a huge impact on me, um, you know, probably more so as a coach than as a player because I only played with him for for probably, you know, a handful of games because he was injured for for quite a bit there towards the end. But, yeah, his impact um, as a coach, you know, when he was assistant coach and, and since being a senior coach, the, the relationships we've formed over that um, nine and a half years has, has been fantastic. And, um, yeah, the... To play under him and to be involved in a part of his journey has been um, has been a privilege. That's Scott Pendlebury, the Collingwood captain, and his Zoom press conference happening right now. It lacks only for Robbo there, doesn't it? <laughs> Maybe you'll oh, join him as we go along. That'll get back. <laughs> um, what's, uh, what did you make of the Dane Beam scenario, Sam? Um, which is really curious, and obviously Steve Hocking not his portfolio, but made it really clear whatever has happened has happened with AFL approval. Oh, yeah, for sure. They've ticked it off and they know what's happened. I'd love to know what's happened. Uh, for his part, Dane Beams could not have been more categoric with Dwayne during the week, Dwayne Russell during the week. That, And some might say, how does he know where the payment comes from? The payment comes from Collingwood with permission from the AFL and negotiations were ongoing there. And to a large degree, it was... It was completely unprecedented, was it not? I mean, here was a player who was leaving the game for mental health reasons. I think you could maybe tie it back to Tom Boyd to some degree at the at the Western Bulldogs, but he was a player with two years to run on his contract. The club gave up two first-round draft picks for him, and you can understand the toll that it would be taking on Dane with the with all the discussions and, and the way the fallout happened with the salary cap at Collingwood, but he was adamant that it came outside the cap, Jerry. If it did... I mean, that gives you an idea it's a of bigger how story. badly things were at Collingwood. If if Beams isn't even part of the problem, that money, not him, if his money isn't even part of the problem, my godfather. Well, Graham Wright called it a hangover that, that, that still pertains to that. Not insurmountable, but a hangover. So I just want to know, Jared. Yeah. I want to know. Leper, are you making your TV debut tomorrow? Yes, Channel 7 tomorrow night. Well, Hello. I, I thought I had a good head for radio, not TV. <laughs> but we'll, we'll wait and see. I, my stylist rang me yesterday, which is nice. About what suit I'm going to wear. So, yeah, I am, Jared. Things they should be interesting. Which um, game? Uh, the Richmond-West Coast game with BT. So Brilliant. Yeah, so that should be a bit of fun. Hopefully, the very best. Yeah, hopefully I don't freeze you. on there, Nick, and <laughs> yeah. do something silly. Um, good luck. Yeah, thank you. We'll, yeah. Be, uh, we'll be watching and listening. And you're going to do the means test with me on Tuesday. Yes. Yeah, I'm taking over from Kingy. Yeah, wow. yeah. So that'll be good fun once the round is finished. Lepper, Dal, thank you very much. Thank you. Sam, terrific stuff. On you, Jared. The day, uh, well, it's the twilight encounter that gets us. G'day, Mike Hussey here. Get on board Australia's best fantasy cricket game, KFC Supercoach BBL. It's fun, free and easy to play. Play today at supercoach.com.au. T's and C's apply. New South Wales authorisation number TP slash 01005. Underway today, Fremantle and Gold Coast, followed by St Kilda and Adelaide. This has been crunch time for the Werribee Western and Footscray Nissan dealerships. They stock the all-new Nissan Navara Pro 4X, built tough.